Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Dewing Grain are independent and local grade traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, they can offer you the best strategies to achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Each week on our podcast, we begin with the Dewing Grain Market Report, giving you up-to-date information and analysis, followed by Farm Chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues with a guest or two while sampling a beer. Andrew's favourite bit. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and this week's Market Report. Welcome to the Market Report. What follows are my thoughts or gut instincts on what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Market Report for week commencing 19th of April 2021. Now this week's quote, bearing in mind the popularity of last week's Jimi Hendrix moment, is um, is actually from my favourite ever film. And if any of you haven't seen this film, it's a 1970s film called Dirty Harry. And uh, I'd recommend you watch it. It's uh, misogynistic and full of all sorts of 1970s-only uh, observations. But the, the important point is the bit where Clint, the hero, Dirty Harry, uh, is pointing his gun at the baddie. And he's going, I've got a forty-five Magnum, most powerful handgun in the world. Do you know, in all this excitement, I can't remember if I've fired it five times or six. You've got to ask yourself a question, punk. Do you feel lucky? Well... In this case, it is, I've got a May Wheat Futures contract, and I want to take delivery. So, punk, do you feel lucky? (laughs) Now, apologies for anyone who gets wound up by such things, but I just find it funny, and it's my podcast. So, I am actually going to come off the wheat subject first of all, because there's an important moment. Oilseed rape has gone up very much in the last week or two. Bad weather, you know, less cropping, crops not looking in great condition, soya going up, all sorts of issues around the world pushing the oils market up. And we have been advocating, looking very hard at if the price got to £400 a tonne for harvest movement. You know, that's been the goal. It's come up 60, 70 quid from its first moments. It's there or thereabouts. You know, phone up Webby and tempt him. We think it's going to trade there. or it, So we're very, very close. So now perhaps is a moment to make the first step. I appreciate greed and fear run markets, but every now and again there is a benchmark. That's If it does hit, if we can pay 400 and there's a premium on top, I think it's a great place to start. So that is the exciting moment of all. Um, we'll move on to feed barley. Uh, feed barley is... Well, pretty, as I said last week, pretty lame. You could probably make X farm for June 155. So in the reason of that, and a discount from that as you come forward. So there is the odd bit still to be traded, and there is not that much out there. But there is still barley about that has not been dealt with. You must get it off your hands before we get to July, because there is a big price drop that comes with new crop. So that's, you should know already. So now we come on to my favourite subject. Obviously, uh... Yeah, all right, I'm seeing when I'm winning. We had a miserable period where the market dropped, you know, £20 a tonne on old crop wheat from its peak down to where it went to. And I think that, uh, or more than that, actually, from the peak, 217 was a peak and it went down to 188, so it was nearly 30 quid. But in, in the recent month, it went best part of £20 drop down to a low of 188 on the May futures, and it's now back up to 202. All right, you know, great. It's what happens next is the critical issue. Now, in the time since 
the drop and this recovery, it's only recovered the 10, 12 pounds or 14 pounds in, a, in about a week. So that clearly shows you the worm has turned and it clearly shows that now the pressure is beginning to build on the short. Now, the biggest issue is the open interest is still over 3,000 lots. And that's an awfully large amount of wheat that is supposed to be tendered if it is genuinely someone who's short who's going to tender. Now, we don't know if there's someone who's got, as I described last week, an AA or something which will take a big slug of tonnage out to reduce the open position down to a more sensible level. But either way, if there's a, I don't know, a thousand lots gets taken out, there is, at the moment, over 300,000 tonnes of wheat expected to be tendered and the probability of about 150,000 tonnes actually likely to be tendered. The only thing that will bring the two things together is either someone uh, having some magic position which closes the whole thing down or a volume of tonnage appears and someone like me turning the tail end of my book into a futures store tonnage to be tendered because the price is right to do so. At the moment, the conditions are not correct for that. It doesn't make any sense to do that because of the on cost of hauling into a store and the charges you have to pay to a store. It simply does not make sense. But if someone is genuine in a position where they cannot tender, the replacement value is going to be more than £202 a tonne. That's the point. So allowing for my glibness and all the rest of it, the grown-up conversation is, what is the real open position? How many people are actually going to tender? And what is the position of actual consumption and people that do still need to buy for May, June and July? Because those months are very skinny in most merchants' books. And if you speak to the physical brokers, they also have done less trade in that period than usual. So somebody somewhere either doesn't need as much tonnage as they usually get, or they've still got it to buy. So there is a massive amount of, you know, confliction and different positions and scariness and braveness and bravado and all sorts, you know, mine included. At this point, it is a relief to have publicly declared that this was likely to happen and to be proved that it's correct, it's come back up again. Um, But the most interesting part of all of this is the bit that happens next. Anyway, you're getting an awfully large amount of me today because we're doing a conversation about pools. I'm making some observations about things I I think should happen. And um, so that's the market report bit. And at the end of all of it, we're going to have a little conversation between the lads in here and myself, one of our favourite occupations of having a beer. So I hope you don't mind listening to a little bit more of me any second now. Thank you. The Dewing Grain app will keep you updated with real-time industry news, data analysis and insights into the market, giving you all the information you need to make informed trading decisions. A commodity selling feature enables you to source prices and receive direct offer notifications informing you on what Dewing Grain are looking to buy and at what price. Search Dewing Grain on the App Store or Google Play to download and with all of these features in your pocket, you'll have more time to sit back and listen to our podcast. To set up a trading account with us, call 01263 731 550 or email info at And now it's time for Farm Chat. This week, I'm going to be having a conversation with myself and you lot all listening uh, about pool marketing and my views on it. I have a strong view on this particular issue and I think it's important that the debate is aired. It is another in my long line of how to win friends and influence people in the grain trade. So um, hold your breath, everybody. Here it comes. Pool marketing. I'm going to go through the pros and the cons for farmers. This is the people who commit their tonnage to whichever grain merchant they choose 
for whatever reason. I'll try and go through the reasons I can see there, and inevitably this will lead to some form of debate. It will certainly lead to a number of people being a little bit fed up with me because uh, obviously it's a very cushy number. So the biggest pro that I can see for a farmer is you pass responsibility. You know, you can read whatever blurb you like or listen to the marketing chat of someone. In the end, if you say it's being marketed by somebody else and they get it kind of averagely right or averagely wrong, you're not to blame. You can turn around to everybody and justify your existence by saying, well, you know, it wasn't me, mate. I I, I don't make mistakes. They cock that up, not me. So there's a little element of uh, lameness or laziness or accepting that you don't know as much about the market is another way of putting it but ultimately it is the passing of responsibility that you are doing which is fine if you pass your responsibility of your pension fund to a man who manages the pension inevitably he's got all of his time spent on trading stocks and shares and that's something that you won't have necessarily that much time to do so it's the same kind of principle it's just it's a little closer to home in my opinion you should have a bit more of opinion on what you are physically growing Another positive is you know when you're going to be paid. They have set payment dates, so you can kind of create a cash flow that you have definitively, and you may be able to draw some cash down against it at times if something comes up that makes you want to have some money, and then you get charged interest on your own cash. But then, but the point is, you can largely work a cash flow around it, assuming nothing out of the ordinary happens. You save thinking time. What I mean by that is you've passed the buck of responsibility. You are focusing on something else, which is completely cool. And I get that if you've got another job or something that really does distract you or makes you more money, then having to think about grain marketing a lot would impede on that time. It also cuts out the calls from people who are prospectively trying to buy your grain. You know, it's that awful moment. Another positive thing is you avoid those irksome moments. You know, you've got plenty of what I will describe as pushy buyers or bullies. There's plenty of guys out there. After all we've done for you, you should be selling us everything. You know, those guys use bullying or pushiness or that long silence for you to go, all right, I'll do a couple of loads just because you feel guilty. In all reality, no one needs to do that. If the timing's wrong and you think it's wrong, you should be strong enough to say, no, I'm not doing it right now. Thanks. I'll sell it another day. But it avoids all of that. If you say, no, it's in a pool, leave me alone. And a lot of people don't like that kind of willpower moment and and that's a lot of buyers rely upon that willpower moment to make their living so it does take that misery away for you it also means you will not sell everything at the bottom without any doubt it's you know they're not going to get away with selling every single ton of their entire pool at the bottom so you know you're not going to sell at the absolute bottom of the market So that's the pros. It's basically a time-consuming and irksome conversation-consuming positivity. The things against it, in my view, accurate budgeting. You don't know the price you're going to get until the end. So you can't, unlike when you've got your grain to sell, you say, right, what's the price for January wheat? I've got 203 tonnes. Bang, that's the price. Right, that's what I know I can make for it. So you can do an accurate budget on the spot. You can't with a pool. And also cash flow control. Yes, you have an element of control. There's no room for adjustment. If the farm next door suddenly comes up for sale and it's a fire sale and you've got to buy it there and then, yes, you can borrow some money against your grain in the pool, but you can't have all of it. Whereas if you've had stuff to trade, you can just go, bang, give me all the money. I want to buy, you know, whatever it is you're trying to buy. 
you lose the ability to say no. You know, certain places, sometimes you, you don't really want, you know, your grain to be moving. You can see the market moving up. You're committed to the pool, but it's kind of in there and, and it's stuck. You lose the opportunity to hit the top, which is the opposite of obviously telling at the bottom, but you will never, ever, ever sell all of your grain at the top if you're in a pool. Choice of delivery point, all of that is handed over largely to the merchant as well. So if they want to take it to Manchester, they can, or they want to take it to Selby or somewhere, uh, you know, out of Mongolia, that's up to them. Largely, you can probably have an influence on that, but it isn't absolutely in your hands. You can have an input on that if you want to, if you're bargaining to sell your grain. And talking about bargaining, you know, another negative is if you're in a pool, you lose the power of bargaining at critical moments. If someone's trying to fill a boat and you've got some slightly borderline moisture grain, you could say, look, you can have my wheat. It's going to average under 15%, but I don't want any claims. Within a pool, you'll get claims. You know, it's fact, you know, of course, 15.1, that's £3 a tonne, sir. <laughs> but also, you know, again, someone's short of soft wheat desperately for next Monday, and I'll pay a £10 premium for it. That moment does not occur if you're in a pool. I'm sounding pretty negative here, aren't I? Sorry, sorry, all you pool boys, I hope you're like getting, gnashing your teeth now. The biggest and most wonderful thing that you suffer from if you're a member of a pool is the magnificently large marketing fee. There is nobody trading back-to-back grain who makes anything like the money you are charged for marketing your grain now the big boys will tell you or the the pool teams will tell you that oh no it's much such value for money absolute bullshit it is a very big marketing fee so there's some money another con is reading the bullshit that explains why the price was crap at the end of the year or why it was so wonderful or whatever you want to call it they'll show a picture with charts with the with the dips on there and the top and show a line on it and then come up with a load of blurb um reading that and believing it is you know as well as some people get pleasure i guess certainly whoever writes it probably does more importantly from a farmer perspective collectively is it saves the consumer from being pressured if it smooths the job out the merchant's job is easier and it encourages a lack of effort i mean there's there's an element of the bigger the pool, the less negotiation you've got. I've worked for a business that had to sell tonnage every day. They had a rule, we have to sell tonnage every day to achieve an average. Now that is nuts, because there are certain times, like now, when it's dry in the Midwest and the, and the world markets are going up, that if you're selling into a market that's obviously going up, you're going to, by definition, not have as good a price as someone who holds off for a couple of weeks and sees where the market goes to. So the argument that because you're part of a big pool, you've got much more negotiating power is completely wrong. You are in a position where you've got someone who's been said, right, you better market that 30,000 tonnes, you know, do it bit by bit. We'll have a look at it at the end of the year and then we'll make up a story. There's no pressure on them to say no. The workload is much, much, much lower for the merchant, but that works against the person who's committed to the pool. As I say, you lose the ability to react to bullish markets. You know, do pools cash settle? Do pools take back the sales they've got? I don't know. More often than not, the justification of a pool is a long-term average. So I don't think that is particularly healthy, again, for the ultimate price of the farmer in very volatile markets. So now I've, uh, you know, set the scene. I shall put the sort of counter view, as I see it, for what does the merchant gain from the process? Well, first things, he gets captive tonnage. It's a nice, easy, same again next year, sir. Thank you very much. Which is lovely, nice and easy. Guaranteed supply, yep. He's got 30,000 tonnes coming in, which we can market. We know we've got it. It gives 
the merchant an opportunity at any point they want to fix a price if one of their consumers comes in and says right we're going to price fix our big contract and you've got a commitment to us then you can turn around to the pool manager and say right do you want to do a couple of thousand tons at what is a slightly better price today than we've recently seen oh yes please so you've got tonnage there to fix you aren't in any way pressured or you're less pressured by the fact that you've actually physically got tonnage that you can legitimately trade when no one else is perhaps selling you are guaranteed that big margin I talked about a minute ago. Yes, your marketing fee is greater than what you would get if you were trying to buy it competing with oiks like me. It is an opportunity to buy cheaper at times. It certainly is an opportunity to buy when there isn't any sellers. And and you also know that uh, this is a, 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 the pros of, of a merchant's thing, I'll remind you. You also know that when you describe how well your pool did in your view, you'll have a historic chart that will show the dips and you'll point at the dips and say, look what could have happened to you, sir, which is trading on fear. So the dynamic of it is, you know you're going to look better than the worst moment, which is which is ultimately, you, I'm sure you can persuade people to believe that. It enables you to offer supply contracts to consumers and that's, that's kind of a good thing, or an in-house consumer even, guarantees you're going to keep the thing rolling. So if someone's kind of starving the market in October and you've got an Octec pool, you can drag all of your stuff forward to October Tell the farmers you're doing them a favour by moving it at the time they're trying to drill their seed and they're moving it early, how good of you. But the reality is you couldn't get grain anywhere else and the market itself would firm to a greater extent if you didn't have that let-off steam valve. It enables merchants to look after their grower less, less time-consuming in actually having to keep them in touch with the market. Basically, the pro aspect of it, again, you're able to take advantage of farmer apathy, which is fine, you know, because it exists and people don't really want to spend lots of time on it. It's easier to go, you know, that guy doesn't really want to be seen to be wrong with his trading and he can't be that bothered with it. I'll just tell him to join the pool. We can take advantage of that. We can get that in our book and it's like ka-ching. But more importantly, probably, you can tighten the grip on these kind of passive growers with your wondrous cradle-to-grave contract that you can increase not only margin on your trading, but on the seed. You got you know, if you have this, it comes into our special special deal called Fat Boy Milling or something, and you have margin on the seed, margin on the fertilizer, margin on the sprays because it has to come through you. And why don't you join our bank at the same time? So it's lots and lots of positives. So let's just try and weigh up the negatives for a merchant for people committing their tonnage. The negative is the pool price being scrutinised, which doesn't normally happen because people sort of put it out there and remain reasonably secretive about it. Don't tell anyone about a pool price. It enables... Because you dictate the story, it's like, you know, you can justify what you've done. But the, the negativity of it is a little oik like me saying, oi, you've, uh, you know, the pool price for Jan, Feb, March this year will be a very fascinating thing. We don't yet know what the Jan, Feb, March pool prices are, do we? But any minute now, they're going to come out. And I will be very interested from anybody who's signed up to some pools to find out what exactly they did net receive for their grain. Because if you compare it to the 200 odd pounds a ton that's been trading, it isn't going to look particularly pretty. But it's going to be a very interesting dictate on what people's version of history was as to why they ended up trading at 172 or something. Anyway, with that, I should have just about offended a few people. I don't really mean to offend, but I think it's a valuable conversation. 
And I think this podcast has a responsibility to create thought and understanding within the farming community. I think agriculture needs competition and I think farmers need to take responsibility for some of the reasons why they don't get their slice of the pie. And it's commercially beneficial to someone like me because I don't do pools. We do market grain for people. We are given grain to market by farmers, but the way we do it is... We will make a decision, for example, 2021 harvest at this moment has got absolutely nil sales against it because I could sell and I could have sold it at 140-odd ex-farm at at its lowest point. The market's currently at contract highs and we believe there is a weather market developing that will push the price up. So none of our tonnage is sold and we're not going to spend our time pretending that we had to sell some because we have to sell some to be an average. So we commit to marketing, we debate the price and we will tell someone individually that we're fixing it and we'll tell them why, we'll explain ourselves. Uh, It's up to them to take our advice or not, but we will say this tonnage you're marketing through us, this is what we want to do. If you're going to judge us, you have to rely on us to market when we think it's right. So we do have control of that tonnage, but we are telling them definitively what the price is at the time we trade for whatever percentage we are trading. And if those members see a period where there's a market that's ramping up because of some form of terrible event, as someone committed can expect a recall or a cash settlement or a conversation at the very least, it will be discussed with you if that is the case. But this is somewhere where we've fallen a bit short in that I've had people where we beat a pool price a couple of years ago by about £14 a tonne. And yet the farmer who committed to us for three or four years previous to that decided to leave on the basis that we didn't have regular conversations or newsletters going out. I believe that my job is to call when it is relevant. In other words, if the market is going to go up, I'm going to tell you we're not doing anything yet, I will phone you when I think we should. And if the market is going to go down and we've sold everything, and we've told you we've sold everything because we think it's going to go down, then you don't need me to keep reminding you how wonderful I am by phoning you up regularly. But each to their own. I understand some people like to have more of a conversation. We as a business, our style is not quite like that. We're available at all times for conversation, but we will not be phoning to tell you that you've done the right thing by sitting with the sale you made £10 ago because the market is going in the same direction as we predicted because one would hope you have the understanding of we've just done a good job. But I think with our style of thing, it gives you the opportunity to take more interest and sometimes understand why it's in the interest of growers not to sell everything, you know, to hold back at times. Markets go up. And if you've got it in your hands to trade, never let anyone give you the fear that it won't get moved or it won't have a home or it won't have anywhere to go. Because there are lots and lots of buyers. There are lots and lots of places it can go to. And only at the end of the year is the chance of it being, you know, well and truly, uh oh, you're never going to sell it. But up until that point, there is always going to be a place you can sell it. Unless you're limited on storage and you have a very limited time span. Well, that's a separate issue. That's something you should have addressed as a grower of a product before then anyway. So in summary, I think farmers should abandon pool marketing. And yes, some will get it wrong some years. On average, they will be better off in my view. Certainly for starters, because the margin that's taken off you is less than what you get taken as a a marketing fee. 
So in essence, it is a bit radical in some respects, and I understand where some people have other jobs, which is really time-consuming. But even those guys, I've got guys who manage farms, who actually have businesses that they're running very big, much bigger businesses than mine, with much more uh, interaction with lots more people. But they still market through us, and uh, the occasional email and conversation occurs directly to them when it's relevant and it's still probably less communication time than someone that's in a pool so in other words i think you should really take a bit of responsibility and take a little bit less apathy towards a very important subject because average in a very volatile swinging market is not really going to be good enough Anyway, I think we'll, we'll, uh, we'll stop my little monologue about pools and I will drag some of the boys in and we'll give a beer a taste, I think. I went in the office and said, right, who wants to come and have a quick beer and we'll have a chat? We'll pick one of the beers out. Ian is actually tied up being busy for a change. It was a bit of a shock. He didn't want to disturb that moment. It was a bit of excitement. And Josh is tied up with the seed issue. And then we said to Ben, are you coming in? And he said, oh, no, I think I'll go on a bike ride because I'm a bit fat. So it's Joseph and I. So, Joseph who's just poured the beers, could you tell us what we're drinking? Right, it's Golden Ale by the Wye Valley Brewery, and it's a 4.2 volume ale. What does it describe itself? Golden Ale is brewed using two of the finest English hop varieties. Mm. It's got a bit of Goldings and Fuggles. Alongside oh, nice. really nice, creme de la creme of pale malts. Mm. This is an Andrew Fundell Brown and Co beer. He sent us a big crate. You remember a few weeks ago. So Andrew, yet another plug, and thank you very much. This is a really good one, even though it's Welsh. So sorry about the Grand Slam, by the way, Andrew, <laughs> which is a bit historical now. So what was I going to say? Something vital. Yes, we this week have had a the moment where the pubs reopened, didn't we? That was great. Yeah, it's probably the best managerial decision I've ever made in my entire life. We decided to lock the office doors at 12.30 and we went to the pub as a team and proceeded to sit there all afternoon. We had a meal and we had loads of cask beer and God, wasn't that nice. Yeah, an extremely productive afternoon. Yeah, we covered everything, didn't we? This beer's very nice. It, very is, nice it is really good. Some left actually a bit later than they should, but uh, we got it all organised, didn't we? And, and everyone had a cab or whatever, some sort of lift home. So it was it was actually just, it, was, it wasn't, and we've all done it before, and it's blooming cold in the sort of lunchtime period, wasn't it? But yeah. Late yeah. afternoon, the wind dropped, and it was warm, and it was okay. Great beer garden, Bucks. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. It was good food, and, uh, yeah, the beer flowed well. Well, d- team-building moment. I think everyone forgot how much, well, there's a difference in a bottled beer and a cask beer. There just is. Yeah. And uh, we were drinking, what was it, grain... 316. 316. But it was just obviously brewed to the moment when it was supposed to be at its best. And the guy had to crack another barrel fairly quickly, (laughs) didn't he? Because we were hitting it, along with a few other people who were having a right old go, which was just such a treat. And strange how little things please, isn't it? Yeah, it was great. It really was. Nice to be outside sitting there with a beer in hand, etc. And yeah, chewing the fat with the uh, guys in the office. Good fun. Really good fun. Yeah, I think everybody did enjoy it. I mean, the boys in the granaries were outloading Futures Week like crazy and malting barley, so they couldn't come. So there was a little bit of, like, us and them going on, which we try really hard not to have. But, you know, in the end, you are obliged to 
you know, you've got to make a decision for your own company, and off we went. Just been interrupted by a phone call, and I got my phone set on airplane mode. How did that happen? Must come through the internet, mustn't it? Yeah. It was just, no, just even then, it, should, no, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't even do that. It's on airplane mode. How uh, dare it? Anyway. Big nothing. Brother is listening. Oh, did you ever get a rest from it? My screen time was 12 minutes last week. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that makes me laugh. Anyway, yeah, so we're back. We're going to the pub again, and all the local pubs with gardens are opening up. It's blooming freezing outside. There's an easterly or northeasterly piling in every day. little bit, whenever the wind drops or you get a bit of shelter, it's really pleasant. The biggest issue probably at the moment, though, which helps the beer sink down, is the dryness, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's lovely. From it's a beer perspective, but from a crops in the ground perspective, oh, it's yeah, not so good, is not it? not so great. It's, um, yeah, a lot of guys are now sort of saying, you wouldn't mind seeing a little bit of rain, but um, yeah. yeah, we'll see. Well, the rugby's back as well in a week or two's time, isn't it? As we're having two yep. or three games locally, which, yep. again, is an opportunity to, well, I don't know, it's an opportunity to see everybody. We haven't scene isn't it it's yeah. going to be very strange it's going to be great that actually because the local because we won't be traveling so far field the round robin type scenario with the local clubs that whole it, north Holsham. it'd be brilliant yeah. absolutely so yeah and again plenty of beer will be sunk i guess by yes. the by yes. Yes. types anyway with that thanks for listening this week hopefully the weather's being kind to you yeah good luck with that one cheers goodbye for listening make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they are released and follow us on twitter we are at dewing grain call dewing grain on 01263 731550 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk the dewing grain podcast is produced by east coast design studio in norwich